coming Friday, June 28th. Mickey! Hey, girls. <laughs> Care for a picnic? <laughs> Join in on all the high-flying, <laughs> acrobatic, unpredictable adventures. With Mickey Mouse. Wah, wah, wah. Wah, 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 wah. Donald Duck. <laughs> Minnie and the gang. <laughs> it's a weekend of premieres. Of three all-new Mickey Mouse cartoons. Starts Friday, June 28th at 8.30, 7.30 Central on Disney Channel. Welcome one and all to the podcast without a cool acronym. The podcast where we review Disney television animation shows. I'm your host, Jeremy Darachet, and joining me on the podcast today via Zoom, we have a, some very special guests. We have all three members of the Channel KRT podcast, Kitty Quinn, Randy Martin, and Tyler Green. Woo! Hello! So great to be here, Chandler. Thank We're you. Scoochie. And also <laughs> joining us from Burbank, California, we have Ava Moss. Hello. Thanks hello, for having Ava. me. Hello, Ava. Hello, Ava. We're all just squishing the entire United States together. <laughs> it's about time. Fuck the Midwest. Okay. I'm from Ohio. Let's calm down. <laughs> except for you. Fuck, like, like, fuck the Midwest, except for you. All right. Ava, that. important question. Does Cleveland rock? Hell yeah. Thank God. So Drew Carey didn't let us down. Oh, is, of course not. But is his name Cleveland Brown? Cleveland Brown. Well, I was born in Utah, so thankfully I moved when I was five, so I did not turn into a crazy Mormon. Thank God. <laughs> I've pretty much just exclusively lived in Lobsterland all my life, so I really don't know anything else other than Lobsterland. <laughs> you know, Red Sox and lobsters, and that's it. <laughs> Red Sox, lobsters, Dunkin' Donuts, and if you go a little further out west, moose. Yay! <laughs> and maple uh, we syrup. We have cheesesteaks and Liberty Bell, so. Good and enough. you guys, <laughs> you guys have the Rocky series. You have. <laughs> I'm from Vegas, so like we just kind of nice. we steal we steal what other cities have and make them into garish casinos. Hey, we have Family Guy and Ted too. <laughs> <laughs> It was actually really funny because um, yesterday, um, the reason why I wasn't able to get a podcast out, we're recording this on uh, Tuesday, December 1st, by the way. Um, the happy reason December, y'all. Yes, happy December. It's the last month of 2020. Thank God. Thank, Thank God. Christ. <laughs> so close. So the reason why I was delayed a day in getting the podcast out is because um, I was doing a, a final project for my food prep class. Editor's note, I decided I would actually make that project into a video and post it on my channel. So you can go watch that right now. It was a lot of fun. And Ooh, yeah. I swear, like, half of the people, because the whole idea was we had to choose a menu and talk about it. And it was largely because this menu collection happened to come from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. 
but it was a list of menus that they had curated. So there were a lot of like really old school Vegas menus that people talk about, which was really fun. Oh, nice. Pretty cool. (laughs) Some of them were in hotels, others were places with ties to the mafia. (laughs) (laughs) You get like one of those really old ass menus from the 60s where everybody's like, let's just put everything in gelatin. That'll work. Oh my God. You fool, no, that'll work. They were at steakhouses or Italian places. See, this and, is probably where the stereotype of kids hate their mom's cooking or vegetables comes from. Because, like, Jesus Christ, look at the shit that was going on back then. <laughs> My God, oh, no, no wonder kids are constantly stereotyped as so picky because we keep serving them that. Yeah. We, the 50s are canceled we're just gonna go back in time delete the entire 50s and then just pretend you know what the cars the fashion and the platters can stay and disneyland, and disneyland. yes yes <laughs> i basically That's just get, get rid of the time period disneyland was invented and it's like okay no theme parks ever. and marilyn monroe <laughs> she can also stay hey so and speaking of 50s together here today to talk about the Mickey Mouse shorts that started playing on Disney Channel in God, what year was that? Was that? I think it was twenty thirteen. Yeah, twenty thirteen. Yeah, because I was ironically, still, I was still in high school when they came out. So ironically, the same year that the Ghetto Horse was released alongside Frozen. So yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that. So this was kind of the the well, this and Get a Horse were kind of a part of an attempt to really revitalize Mickey Mouse as a character because for a long time he had kind of just become a generic mascot with no real other character traits. He was basically like the record executive of the of like the Beatles or something. He was always there in the background getting heavily merchandised, but no one would actually say like, oh, he's my favorite part of anything. Like for a while, it seemed like in that between period between House of Mouse and and maybe Epic Mickey, it seemed like there was a lot of attempts to kind of really personalize Mickey, but it was kind of hard to do so after in all those years after just Disney began coming out with more and more stuff that interested other people. It's funny you guys mentioned that too because uh, one of uh, one of our listeners, Jen Seggio, uh, said Seggio, Seggio, either way, shout out to her. I'm sorry if I'm getting your name wrong. She actually just put up an article where she talks about Pluto's, Pluto's Christmas tree from 1952, and she points out, out that this was around the time where Mickey was starting to become sanitized and he was losing a lot of his personality. Yeah, like how in the early days, how they just have him be the most fucked up imaginable. They'd have him play on a fucking horse's t- horse's teeth, and then well, a cow's teeth, and just turn it into a fucking xylophone, and just have <laughs> just be a fucking abuser, basically. Also, also about Pluto's Christmas tree. One more thing. One more thing about Pluto's Christmas tree, real quick, is that uh, Mickey tries to choke Pluto at one point. <laughs> are you Jeez. wait? Are you little? <laughs> and don't forget like on a kind of a side note then in the that was also around the time where they were having chip and dale torture torture poor pluto and i was like yeah i really i really love the mickey mouse cartoons because for a long time you did see mickey being so clean if i can put it that way and I, I think the last big hurrah we got from him in terms of 
you know, small screen presence was the Three Musketeers. And that was still going on during the time of House of Mouse. Uh, House of Mouse didn't run that long. Someone can you know, plug those years in for me. But I think during the mid 2000s, because there was just so much other Disney content coming out, Mickey was more designated toward the parks. And he became more of a park presence than a film presence. And so now you have this, this not, it's just kind of a divination of, you have, you know, Brett Iwen being Mickey in the parks and you have Christy Metopoulos being Mickey Mouse on screen. So that's yes. a very interesting, you know, personality choice. And I don't think we've ever seen that before. We know that it, like laughing, overlapping, we had Jim McDonald and uh, Wayne Alwine, you know, playing Mickey. And then before Jim, there was Walt. And so there was some overlapping there, but there was never two people playing Mickey at the same time. And I think that they really saw that they were losing the essence of, of Mickey and his scrappiness and, you know, the Mickey that we see in Carnival Kid and Plain Crazy and, uh, and Steamboat Willie. And then they had this clean Mickey that they've created. So I think you save clean Mickey for the park and then they have this now scrappy Mickey Mouse on screen. And I, I really think that's significant because, you know, you have this new generation that is getting to see <laughs> that who Mickey really is and that he he has some sass and and you know he was meant to be this you know on-screen alter ego of Walt and I just love him for that reason. And it's like interesting too Eva because um Mickey Mickey Mouse is voiced by two different people in his respective properties but in the Mickey Mouse cartoon and the Paul Rudish shorts that we're talking about today basically everyone who's not Mickey so Donald, Goofy, Daisy, Minnie, they're all voiced by their respective voice actors, which I think is right. a pretty interesting decision, but it still does a good job of making this distinct as in, this is a different kind of Mickey that you guys might not be used to, but he's still a lot of fun, and there's a lot to love about him. Like I was going to say earlier, like for a while, it felt like Mickey Mouse was basically Ronald McDonald. Like, yeah, he exists. Yeah, he's recognizable and representative of a company. But what's the value? And it's like, it's not that he had to go like back to his fucked up self in the in the twenties to be interesting. But it's like they finally learned how to how to present that balance of making him a good influence while showing that he can be extremely funny, anarchic, just crazy. It's it's absolutely perfect, and they really give him a really great personality. They and they make him and Min, Minnie way more interesting too. And it feels like the Mickey and Minnie relationship, well, never bad it often was still really good when it really got its moments but it kind of also felt like it was just there to be the oh this is the couple and you don't really have to focus on it in these cartoons they make them freaking adorable i love mickey and minnie's relationship in these cartoons it is so cute it is so great to send to your significant other and say us Aww. And then Minnie, yeah, especially since they give Minnie way more personality too. She gets to do more definitely. than just the, 
she gets to be she gets to be anarchic she gets to be she gets to have her crazy moments she gets tons of great cartoons with daisy too and clarabelle just a lot of fun speaking of that i mean just a segue into you know one of my favorites is uh no reservations and you really see that gal pal dynamic of them you know trying to get into this high high class restaurant and they're being kicked out, even though Minnie has reservations. And you have the Major D, who's voiced by Chris Stevatopoulos. And this, the animation on that flamingo kills me when he goes like, may I help you, ladies, <laughs> with his using his fingers like, mm-hmm, yeah, air quotes, ladies. And you see them trying to attempt after attempt to get back into this restaurant. And Minnie is like, I am, no. I am going to get into this restaurant. I have reservations. And then they end up getting what they want. And, and it's such a satisfying ending and seeing that, that gal pal dynamic. I, I love it. Like, yes. Something like that feels very re- reminiscent from the Mickey Mouse works slash House of Mouse cartoons. Because I can imagine, I'm picturing something, like, I'm picturing a plot like that. And I'm picturing it play out with like the late 90s, early 2000s animation. And it still, it shows that these plots hold up no matter how they're conveyed absolutely in a way they remind me of regular show and just how they kind of start off on up on a premise that seems kind of basic like they're gonna go under sea or they're gonna go into town or mickey has a dilemma with his date and then they just turn in the most crazy plot ever such as that such as one of the cartoons that i selected to talk about Hey, Editor Chandler here. I realized that I don't think I actually clarified how we did this when we were recording the podcast, but basically, instead of relying on a randomizer or something like that, or trying to make everyone watch, like, all of the shorts or something like that, I just had everyone pick a couple of standout favorites that they wanted to talk about, so we kind of figured that out beforehand. So that's what we're talking about when we talk about what we picked. And now back to the podcast such as one of the cartoons that I selected to talk about, Black and White, how you think it's just going to be a simple short about Mickey going to the movies, but then it fucking turns into the black on him. It just drains out of him and then becomes it's like a shadow for him. And they just have so much fun with that. They work it kind of like how Peter Pan's shadow works and then just make the shadow just run away from him, jump into everything that's white around it. And then basically represents his fear and he's trying to push it back onto him and then at the end he makes every, he's sitting in a theater full of black and white characters and all their black just fucking drains out of them when they're scared <laughs> out of their wits when Mickey's just shoving it right back onto him I love how these shorts aren't afraid to go fucking chaotic and also kind of body horror-ish in a way but it never gets oh, like yeah. too much they know how to balance it perfectly they're not afraid to be cartoons exactly in, in an age where you know you see some cartoon film television shows almost looking live action these are not afraid to push the boundaries of what a cartoon can be absolutely for example uh one of the cartoons i one of the episodes that i picked dog show the beginning of that involves pluto accidentally falling off of a cliff and he's okay but it's very it feels very risky for something that used to be for a character like mickey mouse who used to be very clean and squeaky no, this doesn't mince words. This is just straight up chaos from the beginning. Absolutely. I like that. I like that unintentional pun, clean and squeaky, because he's a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I see and- what you did. 
Yay. You know, it's kind of funny that you bring up House of Mouse because it, they also managed to do a, a lot of bringing not just the other other characters you'd often see in the Donald shorts, Goofy shorts, Minnie, Daisy, etc. You also begin to see like a big columnation of all the other Disney characters like Wish Upon a Coin involves basically a, a semi parody of, of Snow White where they they go up to the wishing well and they're all dropping coins in. Then that is just one of my all time favorites of these shorts. Yes, especially it's when just Mickey... so chaotic. Especially when when fucking Mickey channels Fred Willard from A Mighty Wind. What happened? What happened? What happened? Lick a dwarf? <laughs> Lick a dwarf? Sit on a dwarf? No! Lick a dwarf? Oh, God. Also, one of my favorite things Gold. one of my favorite things about these shorts is there are cameos left and right. Like, this does not skim over Disney, Disney history. Like, a lot of different characters and places show up from not just like the cartoons and the movies, the parks themselves, like there's straight up episodes where one of the episodes that we're going to talk about later, House of Tomorrow, they literally sing. There's a great big, beautiful tomorrow. Yeah. How many the people in the general public know like... that song, let alone the normal demographic, which is little kids. And not to get too further into it, but like also the house of tomorrow does look like the actual like Monsanto house that Tomorrowland had for like a hot while. Yeah, I noticed yeah. that. That was really cool. Yeah, and I especially like how they managed to really cleverly poke at the carousel of progress and then also kind of turn it into a HAL 9000 parody. And they do it in such a clever way that avoids just being a basic basic paint-by-numbers parody. Yeah, they're, they're totally not talking about Amazon Alexa. <laughs> it's still... And it still manages to be a celebration of very important parts of Disney history, especially theme park history. You know, we see so much in media today of doing the homage to the past. And it's like, okay, but make something original. But I think in the Mickey Mouse shorts, integrating the different aspects of Disney culture, it doesn't feel like a homage. It does really feel like you said, Caitlin, like a celebration. And 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 because there are things that you just miss. Like you will go back a third time and watch these shorts and be like, oh my goodness, they're riding around in the Raybone Caverns. Oh my goodness. Like that's crazy. And and they do it in such a seamless and, and respectful way that it's not about, you know, ha, huh, look what we did. It's not breaking the wall. Or, you know, breaking the fourth wall fan service. It's it's just a celebration and can, an honoring, and it's it's fun. You can it never watch these shorts just once. There is always going to be something that you'll miss and you'll want to go back. And that's what I love about these shorts so much because, despite all, they could be disrespectful and make some joke about like say the, like the the people mover being lame or whatever. But yeah. no, they just <laughs> they like they they'll 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 pour their heart and soul into these cartoons, and it's not just for kids it's for the fans of everything and anything disney there is one joke that just totally roasts the disney parks that i really like in that nature's wonderland short yeah he's looking for nature's wonderland and then he says well that's funny the map says they're supposed to be right here but somebody put a big thundering mountain on top of them <laughs> <laughs> i didn't i didn't notice that at first 
it also never feels like they're going too mean with poking fun at their history like they managed to have a load of fun with it and make it cartoony it never it never goes like into the cringy oh the princesses need a man or need to be saved all the time like ralph breaks the internet um. <laughs> yeah and, and i think before we go even further i just want to say the boarding on this show is spectacular and and because I think so much of the comedic timing, and in addition to the voice acting, so much of that timing goes into the boarding and just the cutting and the, and the quick, you know, the shots. It, it, it's beautiful. And it, <laughs> I, I think that that's something that I notice now more. Um, and I think that goes into my decisions of, you know, which shorts are my favorite. And I see like just the detail and the careful boarding and, you know, the deliberate angles and the cinematography that goes into it. I yes. strongly agree, Eva. Yeah, especially everything about the animation in, in this show is absolutely spectacular. Like they do not half-ass this at all. Everything is just so fluid and vibrant. It feels like it feels like something out of the 30s Disney's cartoons, but with a modern twist. Hey everyone, Editor Chandler here. Um, I totally meant to do this while we were recording, but I got swept away by the riveting conversation about the shorts that we all love. Um, but I wanted to give a shout out to Mercury Filmworks, the company that actually does the animation for these shorts. Um, they're based in Ontario, Canada, and they are absolutely incredible. They do the animation for the Mickey shorts, Tangled the Series, The Lion Guard, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie, and most notably right now, Netflix's Hilda. Season two of that show is coming out on December 14th, and I am very excited for that. It's not a Disney show, but it's still absolutely freaking incredible, so I won't be talking about it on here, but go watch it. It is amazing. Season one is already up there, and season two is coming out very soon. Uh, so thank you guys for everything you do, and follow them on... Twitter at Mercury Filmworks. There's no O there. They have some really cool behind-the-scenes info, just info about animation in general, and they're awesome. And now back to the podcast. Absolutely. In fact, there's a lot of the times the background reminds me a lot of Toontown from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, just the beautiful setting that really fits for both a cartoon setting and fits for the slapstick and looks like a really beautiful painting at the same time. It's a perfect balance. Speaking of the word Toontown, uh, Toontown online shout out in these shorts when... <laughs> yes <laughs> literally oh God, it's like yes. it's literally based off of the disney cartoons i'm speaking amazed of, you know, speaking you of toontown speaking of toontown uh download toontown rewritten it is awesome it is fun it is just like the original game yes okay, speaking of uh old disney games that have uh, a new version that exists that's just run by the fans did any of you guys ever play vmk back in the day Ooh, I never got. I, I actually really never even knew it. about it until oh, after no. it shut down. No, yeah. but I, I lived, I lived vicariously while reading the Kingdom Keepers. They always yes. talked about BMK, and I was like, "Ooh, this seems fun," but I never got into it. Quick tangent before we get back to the topic. I don't know. I don't know if I'm Mandela affecting myself or not, but I swear to God, there was a Disney four one one or Disney three six five on Disney Channel thing about Toontown. And I swear to God, I saw like walk around versions of the cogs at the Disney parks. I think I remember I, that too. 
don't know if I'm going crazy. I don't know if I'm Mandela affecting myself, but I swear to God that happened. And as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to look that up on YouTube. Was I, I swear, I, I'm with you, Randy. I, I'm pretty sure that happened too. I watched a lot of Disney kit, D- Disney channel over the years. And I probably I'm, have so much of those Disney 365, 411, whatever's. Because I know they did head, do so. one about Toontown online, but I can't remember if they had like mascot walk around of the cogs like at the parks which if they did that would have been amazing i mean hey if they can have a walk around of a cow then they can have walk around of cogs that would be that would be kind of they they actually do uh drop a mention to cogs in the new (gasps) ducktales yeah i remember that oh my god hey Uh, and then then i guess maybe that's where they got cogsworth's name (laughs) You know, I'm kind of amazed that they have Oswald as a, as a walk-around character, but they've actually never had, unless maybe I miss, missed it, maybe, I wonder if they'll ever add, like, the flying gremlins as walking-around characters. That would be cool. No, but I think they did do Hortensia. <gasps> yes! Oh my god! I love her. Speaking yeah. of which, we need more Oswald in the new shorts. Yes! I was, <laughs> that's the only part of the shorts that I was all, no! When, when, Mickey just pulls him out of the garbage and tosses him aside. And I know it, it made me laugh, but I'm also like, no, no, the Oswald kid and me was just crying. <laughs> I mean, it would be pretty fun if they made like Oswald and Mickey rivals within the show itself, Ooh. but I can understand why they wouldn't, why they yeah. wouldn't. Yeah, because yeah. I went back and, and watched quite a few Oswald cartoons and I'm like, I mean, he has a lot of the same characteristics as Mickey, and they even duplicated some of Oswald's cartoons for Mickey. And yeah, like and, the one with the babies. Yeah, and, and Mickey's just Mickey's just a little. He's Mickey's scrappier. Oswald is yeah. is goofier, and yeah. I think they yeah. they do complement each other well. But I, I would really also like to see some more Oswald content. <laughs> yeah, that could. Oswald versus Mickey, Dawn of Justice. <laughs> you, you, you guys traded an entire human, real life human being for Oswald. Please use him more. <laughs> yes, Ned. Why did you say that name? <laughs> Why did you say that name? <laughs> you know what? It would still be better than Batman v Superman or the, the Snyder Cut or the other version of Justice League that exists. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> the, the, the thing that blows my mind about the Snyder Cut it's like oh so it, you, mean, you mean to tell me that it's not actually an existing movie that was already there and they're all, already basically having to film an entire new movie okay oh Christ it's like, like, what, they have to... who is this for other than like the, just the, the trolls on the internet that wouldn't stop complaining about it like is anyone else going to watch this what? They're just like quickly grabbing an iPhone, just being like, I come mean, on, guys, come on. The only other crowd I can think of is lost media enthusiasts who aren't psychopaths. Speaking of rivals, <laughs> um, another one of my favorite shorts is uh, Split Decision. Yes. Uh, it, it's a longer yes. short. It's a longer short, um, and it, it, it involves Donald being brought to uh, Ludwig von Drake because his anger is out of control. So he has this, you know, molecular separator, and he's like, let's separate Donald's anger from, you know, you know the rest of his body. And yes. Donald comes out, he's all, hey, if I can even do the voice. And <laughs> all of his anger hey, is guys. in this. Yeah. Who needs a hug? 
and all of his anger is just in this pot, but it bursts out because Donald has so much anger and they're like, oh no. And they both get loose onto the street. And there's just so many good gags in that short. I, I thought back and I'm like, some of my favorite Mickey Mouse moments are in this short, like, who's Daisy? And you seem like a nice man. And even when Don starts singing uh, the Mickey Mouse march, I'm like, oh my goodness. It's just filled with so many great moments. Yes. You know, I, on a side note, I, I really love that both the new Mickey shorts and the new DuckTales both tackle Donald's anger. And it's like, one of them is like, the solution is for Donald to go to therapy. The other is just rip it out of him. <laughs> one thing I noticed, um, nice Donald? honestly just sounds exactly like figment but if he were really drunk we <laughs> should have gotten don hey, Cheadle to voice him in this one too <laughs> and i'm wondering if that is if tony anselmo also did that voice because if so because when i watched that ducktales episode where uh where i found out later don Cheadle did you know donald's deep uh you know handsome voice i was yes. like is that, is that tony Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh no, it's Don Cheadle. <laughs> yeah, and it was actually one of the last things that Alan Young was ever in. The late, great Alan Young, if I'm not mistaken. And oh, yeah, Rusty Taylor. Oh, yeah, to Miss Scrooge, yeah. Yeah, and then Rusty Taylor was both Minnie and Huey, Dewey, and Louie. I can bet that she just was having the time of her life playing Minnie. Oh, yeah, and it was so. It was so right that Carried Away was the yeah. last episode that was And I can't even watch it because it's just so sad. And But I, I, I celebrate Russie and I celebrate Wayne and I, I was I'm glad that we got the time we had with them it's, as, as Mickey and Minnie as a real life couple. It's they such were... a testament to the show in terms of how good it is because you have such an emotional episode but it's still jam-packed with an emotional song, yes, but there's also still laughs. And it almost feels like that represents just the character of Mickey Mouse and all the other main Disney guys just as a whole. Yes. <laughs> then... They're both emotional and they're funny. Exactly, and then I especially like how how it shows that Mickey can just lose his temper and also have have bad things happen to him. It doesn't always have to be like Donald or like Goofy just casually doing things to himself. Like in Goofy's grandma, for instance, how you have Mickey just trying his damnedest to deal with how clumsy Goofy's grandma is and then fucking just losing his shit and then getting so angry when he finds out. Spoiler, Goofy's grandma is actually, well, not Goofy, but Goofy. Donald in disguise, and then when he tries to rip off <laughs> Goofy's disguise, and then he sees Goofy next to him, he's just like, "What am I done? What am I done?" And I just fucking love that he has an identity crisis. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like Mickey in the new shorts personality comes off as just kind of like the you know average everyman desperately trying to keep his chaotic world together. And that's one of my favorite personality tropes, so. Going off of that, it, like, every, almost, there are so many Goofy episodes 
where Mickey has to keep goofy shit together. You have the episode where he's sleep running, where he's running a marathon in his sleep and Mickey has to go after him. And then when Goofy oversleeps for his job interview and Donald and Mickey have to like dress in a trench coat to save him. Then his grandmother comes over and he has to take care of him. And then in Potato Land, when Goofy's like, there's a Potato Land, they're like, there's no Potato Land. You know what? Let's build Potato Land just to make Goofy happy. It's just so many times. Oh, I love land. that. Potato, potato land. land. Potato and, land. And when, <laughs> and when Goofy just fucking literally falls apart into a million pieces, Mickey and Donald are just trying their damnedest to put him back together. <laughs> literally. Yeah. And there's literally not one, but two episodes that literally plays with the question of what kind of dog is Goofy and how does it work? Big. <laughs> Oh, baby, please don't be like that. She meant nothing to me. I can change. I can change. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite part of that episode, the dog show episode, is when Mickey, I, I just love the fact that nobody questions that Goofy's just naked when they play around with the twist that Mickey does all the stuff that Goofy was supposed to do in the dog show and he wins the prize. Oh my god, that episode. That's kind of like, yeah, that's kind of like when um, they have to get to a rodeo to get money to fix their car, and Donald becomes like their horse for the rodeo because he's so yeah, angry. Yeah. He, yeah, he he's their bull, and then he's like, <laughs> I'll pay you this much money for this horse. Okay, he's a duck, though. But Donald's like, peace. We're not going to tell Daisy about this. Uh-uh. So it's just like pushing those boundaries of, uh, that's clearly a duck. No, but it's a horse. Okay, I buy it. It's very clear the writers and everyone involved in this show is just having fun with what they're doing. And it radiates onto the audience as well because we live for this shit. Absolutely. It's such a perfect show. <laughs> yes. And then <laughs> another thing that they go into, I also love how they go into the logic of, of what species they are, such as in the Christmas special, how Donald's like, this year I'm not going to migrate. I'm not going to migrate south. I'm just going to stay here and then chill in the snow. And then it literally <laughs> almost kills him because he, once he loses his feathers, he's nearly dying out there. I love how much fun they have just kind of explaining, okay, we're going to have fun with the fact that he's literally a duck. He's literally a dog. And they answer a lot of the questions that people may have had for years. And then they they do it without coming across as too winky winky too. <laughs> And then, um, and then another thing I fucking love about Goofy's grandma is just the scene where Mickey's just ready to fucking say, nope, I'm throwing this bitch out! And then just <laughs> she's presenting pancakes and bacon to him, and he's just like, oh, okay. And then she throws it on him, and he just has, <laughs> they just keep the eggs and bacon on him for a full second. I was like, that's an expression all its own. <laughs> um, this show is so great. It's like gags. Because another Goofy episode, which is Ghoul Friend, where it's Mickey is getting chased by Goofy, but Goofy's a really grotesque-looking zombie. Which, by the way, that character design was really ballsy. They could have just half-assed it and, you know, so they didn't scare any kids. But they just went all out with it. It actually paid off pretty well. Like, they haven't really done anything like that since Runaway Brain. So I like that they're taking risks Uh, with the show. It really does remind me of how, like in the 90s and the early 2000s kids just kind of loved like disgusting gross out humor for some reason 
Yeah. And it feels like they would total gross out humor on that. And as a kid who grew up in that era, I loved it. <laughs> I remember yeah. I remember the first time I saw that. I I thought it was it reminded me so much of the concept art from Black Cauldron where they almost where they showed a guy literally dissolving and having his skeleton show and shit. That was Fuck you, Jeffrey Katzenberg. We should have kept that. Yes. <laughs> like, it's like you already have tits and fantasia. I'm sure this will be fine. <laughs> but yeah, I was talking about the sight gag from Ghoul Friend where Mickey almost drowns and he jumps out of the water and he lands face first in the sand. He pulls his head back up and in the sand is just like a perfect imprint of Mickey Mouse of Mickey Mouse's face as it would look from as look as the, as the face of Disney. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's really the little things, you guys. Yes, and then another. It's also really cute whenever they do they do little specials of that take place in other countries, such as they have a Brazilian episode, they have a Mexican episode. It's really cute, and it's a really nice little shout out. In fact, I wonder if they'd ever combine those and call and be like, "Okay, we're gonna make basically an entire Epcot special with these." <laughs> I'd, I'd watch it. So that actually kind of exists. Sort of. It's called Vacation Fun, and it's playing at Hollywood Studios in the theater that used to be the Sounds Dangerous with Drew Carey theater, which also showed Path of the Jedi for a little while. So they created this new short around a bunch of other shorts, so it's kind of like a clip show. And the whole thing ends with uh, Mickey and Minnie going to Disney World, because of course. (laughs) It's really (laughs) good. It's really, really cute. Oh, that's so cute. Also, should Speaking we address of which, the elephant in the room? Oh, oh yes! Oh, oh my god! Let me tell you a story. Let me I tell you a story. Let me tell you a story about how I found out they were recalled. So I'm in the McDonald's drive-through. I see that little Mickey down there, and I'm like, "Oh my god, should I do it? Should I do it? Should I ask for a toy?" And I'm like, "You know what? I'm gonna do it." So I do it. I'm like, "Oh, uh, how much for one of those Mickey Mouse toys?" They've been recalled. Oh, and that's my sorry. heart broke in that moment like I finally get the courage to ask for the toy as an adult and you tell me they're recalled I didn't actually say that I promised I said oh okay that's okay <laughs> I'm not a it's Karen like, it's not enough that the McRib is coming back you you <laughs> took away the whole the Mickey toys I'm gonna try the virus McRib. robbed me of the shamrock shake and now this <laughs> I'm gonna was- get a McRib by the way Yes. Um, Randy oh, tries the, way, the McRib. <laughs> yes. By the way, kind of a tangent, but some of the very first McDonald's toys I ever owned, I actually owned a bunch of the House of Mouse toys they did, like, way back in the early 2000s. Like, I, I was obsessed with the Daisy one, where she was holding, like, a little vinyl mirror. I had the mini one. I had Goofy. I had Mickey. I think I also had Pluto and Donald. Yeah, I basically owned them all. I'm not sure if I if I actually got them all because of McDonald's, because there's no way I got them all differently each time, but, or maybe my cousin was just ordering a lot of McDonald's toys and then he just decided to give them all to me. Who knows? (laughs) So I owned at least one piece of that history. (laughs) I have six of them. I have four of them to go. And I think part of it is because I, I normally, when I go out, the mask I wear is the, um, is either the cast member mask because it's the most comfortable mask I have, or the other one is a uh, uh, Mickey balloon one. 
Um, either way, it's obvious that I'm a big Disney Parks fan and I'm a cast member, so it's like, I have no shame in asking for these because they're Disney World Happy Meal toys. Like, come on, I'm not supposed to talk about all these. It's and just a shame that the McDonald's really aren't in the parks anymore. McDonald's literally tweeted a few days ago that, like, you you had your last Happy Meal at some point and didn't even realize it. I'm like, bitch, I had my last Happy Meal like three days ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that hit. That cut deep for me, man. Yeah, that's yeah. ouch. Ouch. You know what? When they get actual toys again, I'm going to get a goddamn Happy Meal. Well, you might not because they have the, the Runaway Animat- Runaway ones again. They might not, but the ones around here have actually gotten them back. Just without the QR code that was apparently causing the trouble. So I have six of them. The ones I still need are the Pirates one, the, oh god, what were the other ones? Um, the convertible, I know I need the convertible, and then the teacups, and there's one more I'm forgetting, Everest. Editor's note, at this point, if you want these things, order them on eBay. I ordered the rest of the ones that I need on eBay, because even the one that had them reliably does not have them anymore, so... Yes, oh yeah. my god. And then all the oh other ones. I just got the Mission Space one today, which that one kind of irks me because I'm like, this could have so easily been a Space Mountain rocket, but instead you made it Mission Space. I'm gonna exactly. I'm gonna say this. There there's a serious missed opportunity in not having a Doom Buggy toy and a people mover yes. toy. Right. Exactly. Yes. Oh my god. It's they literally also- right there for the taking and nobody ever went for it. Also, because it's my brand, Mickey Breakout. We need Mickey Breakout next time they do this. Yes. Mission Breakout. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Cosmic Rewind. Yes. <laughs> Where they make they make toys of Muppet Vision and they just have Rizzo and his Mickey and his Mickey <laughs> outfit. Why they hey, I'm Mickey. Uh, Mission Space instead of Space Mountain because they were like, Oh, we need another Epcot one because we only have the Soren one, which the Soren one is kind of fun because it's got Daisy flying around Space of Earth. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> uh, like, okay, well, we need another Epcot one. We already have a car, so we need something else. It's like, okay, we'll do the space shuttle. Even though on Mission Space, you're never riding in the actual space shuttle because you're just in the simulator. <laughs> also, well, Mission Space. Well do a simulator, can they? It's just the it's just the one it's the one ride at Walt Disney World where it's not a whatever type ride because it is just a simulator. That is what it is, both in universe and real life. They could have done they could have done the fucking Star Tours thingy. Exactly. They could have oh my god, that was that's too many overlapping of properties. Too many crossovers. Too many. (laughs) Well maybe if they didn't crossovers too maybe if crossovers. Well, maybe I mean, if they didn't get a... rid of body wars, they would know this. <laughs> they could have done. They could have had like a boat with the three caballeros, since they have that r- attraction in the Mexico Pavilion and World Showcase. Yes. Yeah. Living totally with the land. Yeah, the oh my god! Not... Yes, they could have like, uh, they could have one of them just be surrounded by the crocodiles from That's Living with the Land. A distinct ride vehicle, but like neither is pirates. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Done something creative for that. Then again, oh. I'm just glad I got to see those three Caballero animatronics at least once in my oh, life. Oh yeah, yes. those are so oh cool. god. When the, when they're not falling <laughs> over or something. I will. <laughs> I will like, absolutely. Like, like once a month, there's something that goes wrong with those, and everyone sees it because, of course, by by just the luck of the draw, there's always one person from Dis Twitter that's going on three Caballeros at any given moment. 
And so <laughs> if something goes wrong, we'll be the first to know about it. I noticed that. Like back then on YouTube, Disney breakdown videos were few and far between. Now that every Diz Twitter person in the world has either a YouTube or a social media account, if something in the parks breaks down, we'll everyone's going to know. And it's I'm sure shit broke down in the park. Point. I'm sure shit broke down in the park this much, you know, before everyone oh, had easy access to a camera. So oh God. we're just seeing it more. Remember a couple of years ago when the fucking Ursula animatronic and the Little Mermaid ride got decapitated out of yeah, the Yes, and on the that. same day, on the same day, all the way in Paris, one of the pirates' heads fell off. Deer's <laughs> head fell off. <laughs> the Red happen? Queen was apparently just secretly sneaking around in the back or some shit. She has trained assassins around the world. <laughs> my favorite is my favorite is when uh John on Carousel of Progress goes wrong in any way. Like his arm is bent <laughs> off, bent out, his head is backwards, anything. John I has issues. <laughs> I may be I may be a very strong carousel of progress apologist, but even I have to admit that shit's funny. Yeah, John John just straight up has like issues, dude. John Which, just by the way, refurb the carousel of progress already, you cowards. Yes. I personally like my future being the year 2000. Thank you very much. Hey, I, I personally those. like my rollerblades and my my uh, Star Destroyers, not VR game, whatever you call it. At least one I've... thing in that finale came true. Well, two, Every, given the voice Everything in that finale true. came true. VR came true. Voice activated ovens came true. <laughs> and it's still somehow outdated. Yay! Don't it's get a voice-activated oven, guys. But you notice <laughs> how they don't have like an air fryer or an instant pot in that. <laughs> if, it was, it was, if it was even the present day, they would have an air fryer and an instant pot. Yeah, and then they probably have like they probably have like have headsets that still kind of look like okay, it's a little mini radio you carry around. They probably still have like walk men's or whatever i don't like, understand honestly. this house i don't understand this house where's the keurig how do you have an oculus rift and an alexa oven but not a keurig <laughs> well the, the the most egregious thing in that scene is the the grandfather still mentions uh those high-tech laser discs <laughs> <laughs> that's right up there with cd-rom <laughs> those high-tech <laughs> Those high-tech V, big box VHS clamshells. Yeah, ah, yes. Oh, that, cra that crazy high-tech Nintendo 64. <laughs> so since we're talking about the Carousel of Progress, we should probably talk a little bit more about the House of Tomorrow. Yes. 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 That Perfect was transition, fantastic. my dude. Absolutely. <laughs> I fucking Easily. love Oh, sorry. That is easily one of my favorites of the Wonderful World of Mickey Mouse, which is the new series of shorts on Disney Plus. Yes, that's easily I... one of my favorites so far, and because I am just a strong sucker for any Disney Park reference, and there is a lot of them in this episode. Yes. Oh, I haven't read this one yet. His mother <laughs> dies. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. And Alec tu Alan Tudyk. Sorry if I'm getting his name wrong, but uh, yeah, he's uh, he's the voice of. Uh, of the AI in that episode. Nice. Because oh he sold his soul to Disney at this point. It's KS2O. <laughs> I can't believe the Joker sold his soul to Disney. <laughs> K2SO and also Ludo from Star Wars The Force of Evil. 
and yeah. and Duke Weaselton and Duke Wesselton. Ah, oh, we're going to oh, go And also, also, hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs> On a side note, if they ever make a Disney biopic, I nominate Alan Tudyk as Howard Ashman. Like, I really love I how love in it. the same era he's doing all these, like, Disney voices for these, like, kid-friendly things. And then just in that same era, he's also the most vulgar fucking joker. Yes. <laughs> oh, then he has... He has and the a ring. really good one, too. A really good one. He yes. did go to Juilliard. <laughs> uh, then on... So what? So what do you guys want to say about uh, House of Tomorrow? Because there's just a lot to unpack with that episode. Yeah, there's so much in that episode. It's like, where do you even start? Man, I fucking love how just they're all insisting on Goofy being like, "No, Goofy, you can't, you can't abuse your power." And then at the end, they're like, "Goofy, abuse your power, abuse your power." <laughs> Goofy trying to figure out. Like Goofy just straight up having a panic attack, trying to disc- trying to pick just one thing he needs. That's like a mood. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to say easily my favorite joke in this whole short, and you guys are probably gonna know what I'm talking about right off the bat is when. <laughs> okay, so basically the the AI finds out finds out about Minnie and that, and then he gets jealous. So he the AI paints all these portraits of Minnie, and they're just really. <laughs> Grotesque, and they have like blood dripping down the eyes too. And then Mickey backs into a corner with a framed portrait, and it's of one of the 1930s Mickey Minnie Mouse costumes. Yes, <laughs> those were scary. So much. I needed a I needed a good minute after that. I couldn't breathe after seeing that show. It was oh my too good. god, they went there. Oh, that was fucking. They know beautiful. who exactly was watching this show, and they. Just, just bless you, writers. Bless you. And, and and I love House of Tomorrow because it, it harkens back to uh to uh, Mickey's trailer. It's it's a short from 1938 where Mickey, Donald, and uh, Goofy are in a trailer and they're just you know going on a road trip and then somehow Goofy you know unhitches the trailer and you know chaos ensues and you know you have this beautiful animation sequence and and I love seeing the three of them together and. And just havoc wreaks. Like they come in here and they're like, oh, this is fun. But they knew they weren't supposed to be in there. They knew they weren't supposed to do these things. And then just these bad humorous events uh, follow them. And, you know, Goofy, who is usually the one who, you know, sets off the chaos, he's usually the one to fix it or he's the one that has a cool head, like in, <laughs> in the trailer. He's just like, oh, yeah, I got you guys. And then, like, while Donald and Mickey are rolling around in this trailer, they finally get hitched back. He's like, see, I pulled this all safe and sound. It's all fine now. And and they just have such a great dynamic. And you see it really come through in House of Tomorrow. Yes. Oh, my God. I remember not not sure the the trailer one pretty much by memory because that was on on the Spirit of Mickey VHS. Yes. Like, all the time as a kid. I did not own the Spirit of Mickey on VHS, but I do recall the ad for it on the Little Mermaid VHS. Yeah, I think I owned that one that had like the the through the I forgot um through the mirror was it? Oh, through the looking glass. Yeah, yeah, through the looking glass. Yeah, they have the Spirit of Mickey VHS is actually right like five feet away from me. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> you have nice. the, the spirit of Mickey that I kept seeing over and over again when I, I just wanted to watch the little Mickey. goddamn mermaid. <laughs> the spirit of Mickey. 
You have the episode where Mickey tricks Huey, Dewey, and Louie into thinking they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> the, sleep, the sleep paralysis demon of the <laughs> And then as oh man, House of Tomorrow is so freaking great. I also love the the first one, like when it cuts them all having the realistic faces, <laughs> and the they're code. treating it like the code. I also love how they how the background music kind of sounds like Big Iron Hip if you listen closely. <laughs> what did you all think of um, Minnie's new voice? I was gonna point oh, that out. Yeah, I, I she like was it. amazing. Yeah, her, her actress's yeah. name is Caitlin Robrock, and she is a very good replacement. At first, I didn't even realize it was her. She sounds very spot on to Rusty Taylor's performance, Rest in Peace. I just said I like it. Yeah, She's a very good successor in my eyes. I actually just said I did like it. I haven't seen it yet. So far, the only one I've seen is uh, House of Tomorrow. I'm saving the rest for later. <laughs> because I, I thought... want to see this get hyped up as possible and then be like, oh my god, my expectations were met. The other two new yeah. shorts they just put out. Uh, I, uh, it's Hard to swallow. Pluto gets the pill. Yeah, that one. I wasn't yeah. really that too into those ones. I, I will admit. Oh, I love that one. Really? I, I did. I loved uh, the the recent two. I actually, it, it's gonna sound bad. Like I did love aspects of House of Tomorrow and uh, what was it? What was the first one? The Wrangler or the Wrangler? Yeah. Yeah. I I wasn't She's crazy right. about them. They had great gags, but I really liked the recent two. You know, you see Mickey in a really different light, uh, you know, when he's taking uh, Gubbles to school and he's the overprotective father, because you see him more just having a relationship with Pluto as his pet. But if you go back to the older cartoons, Mickey has, you know, a cat sometimes and he has a fish. He has Bianca. And, and so just seeing him interact with different animals was fun. I love I love how they make Gubbles his own character, too, in that short. And they still bother with con with the continuity of the shorts because this isn't the first short he was in where it was centered around Gupples. I actually haven't seen the last the most the fourth one yet, but I did see Hard to Swallow and I <laughs> and it was kind of a little predictable plot, but it was kind of fun just seeing how <laughs> I especially love the fucking King Kong joke at the end where just all the fleas go and attack Mickey Minnie and Fifi and then she just fucking <laughs> I will say I did love the gag where Mi where Mickey and Pluto were doing karaoke. Yeah, the pill. <laughs> and he's just. I like... need to see these. I need to see these as soon as we end this. <laughs> Which, by the way, Pluto is a very good boy. Pluto is. A... is. Oh my god! I gotta pull it up and uploaded it to Twitter at some point. But I met him at Epcot on my recent trip in 2014. Oh my god! I love him so much. I love that he just sticks your entire head in his mouth and then makes a lick noise. Oh, good <laughs> boy. Yeah, oh, I think man. he's done that with me because I usually see him at the garden grill. He's like the one person I would let do that to me. Yeah. <laughs> Although he's a dog, actually, not a person. But I remember yeah. when, when I was a kid and I went to Disneyland for the first time, I remember being so confused at how Pluto could suddenly walk upright and then how Goofy could, how both he and Goofy could just be on equal terms. Although then again, I thought that much like in the commercials, you could dance with Pinocchio. And well, I kind of did, but it wasn't like a big, oh my God. But it wasn't like, oh my God, we're going to be best friends forever. <laughs> for some reason as a kid 
I just never questioned why nobody talked, why Timon was suddenly six feet tall, and why Pluto was walking on two legs. I just, like, went with it. Is Disney CEO Bob Iger just a guy in a suit? <laughs> is Bob Iger actually a guy in a suit? <laughs> yeah, he actually is, heat? believe it or I not. suffering from heat stroke. Yay! Well, did you see that someone said uh, Bob Iger is just a runaway Frank Sinatra animatronic? And I'm like, huh, <laughs> that's a great conspiracy. <laughs> I Bob Iger... It. Bob Iger is just Michael Eisner in a uh, suit. He's uh, not doing. Don't be blasphemous. Don't be blasphemous. Every time they announce a new CEO of Disney, they just put in like they just they just take whoever is the current CEO, rearrange his face a little bit, then throw him then throw him back into place, and they're like, ta-da! Everybody <laughs> is just secretly a reincarnation of Roy E. Disney. When you think about it, <laughs> disclaimer: my views on this podcast CEO. do not reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company. <laughs> Don't worry, I have that as a disclaimer. Right. If the Disney College program ever comes back, hey, I love you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Anything if 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 I if I say anything bad about Walt Disney, I don't actually mean it. Please hire me. (laughs) (laughs) I I am Bugs Bunny, and I approve of this Universal Studios. (laughs) Listen, my dreams of becoming an engineer are long gone at this point. So. Aww. <laughs> you could be the next Joe Rody, though. I think we touched a little bit on the the culturally diverse uh, cartoons, uh, but I, I just have to give so much praise to DTBA and the team over at Mickey Mouse for those, because that was one of the first things that caught my eye is seeing, you know, these this celebration of cultures within these shorts and and these these shorts that are in different languages and don't have subtitles and I'm like oh it's like it's not for you it's almost like well this short isn't for you I mean you can go look up you know the transcript and see what the translation is but you know this is for you know a different audience we're trying to be you know you know reach an international audience and and that's that's so that's so beautiful to me it's even more awesome too is that nobody ever really spoke out about it saying it was a bad idea because they felt alienated by it. But you're right. It, it, it was. It is a very good way to, to you know, give love to different cultures and everybody. And I'm I'm sure it gave a lot of represent, representation to countries that deserved it. So I do Absolutely. I do like them. It was a really good. It was a really interesting creative choice for the season. And yeah, I, I loved it. The thing that I re- the, the the thing about the the international ones is you don't really need to understand what they're saying to be able to get what's going on. It's, you don't. Absolutely. You know, it's all very. It, it's so well done. They're yeah, beautiful. that's why they work so well is because you you can still tell what the story is by the characters' movements and how they react to everything. Yeah, absolutely. And you can also kind of. I also really love that, along with the other really great representation, they also kind of tackle how the characters are kind of represented in various cultures, especially in the episodes that talk about Tokyo, because Tokyo was probably the biggest, one of the, would definitely be one of the biggest ones for getting Mickey Mouse merchandise over the The Tokyo ones are easily some of my favorites from that season. Yes, they're amazing, especially the JoJo reference. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. We officially have canon Disney JoJo reference. 
And then also, as much as I love these shorts, I wonder how many of them probably would have scared the shit out of me when I was a kid because the way, because like the Halloween special in particular goes in some fucked up areas. <laughs> I have to let one thing out speaking of Disney JoJo references. Oh, yes. Well, I'm rejecting my humanity, Mick. <laughs> yeah for for whom the bell tolls when uh minnie and mickey are going on a little car trip and like they have to put a quarter in and mickey's like i'm not putting that quarter in and then he keep you know the old-fashioned trick of leaving it tied to a string and he pulls it out and the toll booth comes after him like (laughs) it's so sinister like he sees the toll booth everywhere and is like, and the toll booth won't leave him alone until he puts the quarter in and leaves it. And then all these, you know, armies of toll booths come after him. And he's oh, like, it's, it's great. It's it's very out there, but I, I love the concept. Absolutely. I, I love how they're not afraid to just get wacky with all the surrealist bullshit that they pull on the show. For example, the, like the episode Kitty mentioned where Goofy literally falls apart and they have to put them back together (laughs) that was beautifully anarchic and i love how they can manage to do like this really grotesque humor without ever feeling like they're going too far with it it never feels mean-spirited or anything like that yeah yeah and then that's why it's so great to embrace cartooning is because you can do shit like that but you can't exactly the, the the possible impossible as they used to say yeah and plus it's a really fun callback to how like how scary a lot of mickey shorts used to be like the mad doctor for instance oh that one God. fucked me up when i was a kid <laughs> oh yeah they they here's here's a funny story about that uh my professor in one of my fo- in one of my music tech classes which he did was uh it was it was a foley class uh he showed us that as, as an example of how disney you did their sound effects in the 30s and Everybody, everybody in that class was fine watching it. I was fucking traumatized <laughs> because I'm an am- animal lover, and whenever I see an animal in, pe- in peril, it's just like it hurts. Of course, and, like, Goofy yeah. gets into some deep shit in that special. He he's a good boy. He doesn't deserve that. Yeah, and then Howard Goofy's grandma when they go back to Goofy's house, and it's like, oh, Goofy, it's just a little spider, and he opens the door. It's a giant realistic spider, and it's like. Ah! They're both pretending to be grandmas at Donald's house. (laughs) Shout out to Wormy. (laughs) To be fair, I don't... Fuck Wormy. Wormy (laughs) is a bitch, okay? Wormy is a breed all its own because I'll say this much about that spider. It didn't have that horrifying noise behind it. The ooh noise. Literally, Wormy is the only piece of media that will legit give me a panic attack if I come across it. I'd really love to uh, get your uh, opinion on, I know we touched on it briefly, but uh, Minnie's characterization in these new shorts, because you do have a balance of these episodes where she is, you know, still the, the humorous, uh, helpless damsel, you know, in the, uh, the Rojo short where Mickey's like, you know, the bullfighting happens and then 
you know, Pete just grabs her and just hangs her on a hook and he's making kissy faces at her. Mickey has to rescue her. And then you have, you know, these shorts where, you know, she has to save the, the flower from dying. So she has to get the windmill up and running. And then you have no reservations. And you just have, and even entrancement. I love that short. I always For just the... whisper to my sister, entrancement. <laughs> uh, that is my is... favorite. That is my favorite character in Suicide Squad, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> or the short where Minnie is, uh, or the short where Minnie's watching Pluto, and she accidentally feeds him too much dog food. Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Eleanor Shellstrop learned something from Minnie because she did that when she went to Vegas, <laughs> and that's how Pluto yes. ended up on the dodo. <laughs> Yay! Maybe the sauna will do him good. That's how I lost my LBs. And you see her weight loss picture. I, I just, I love Minnie a lot more in these shorts because she is able to be her own character. She's able to be a fully realized character in these. And she has, event she has adventures of her own. And her and Mickey, I, I just, it it's something very strange about these cartoons where I feel Mickey and Minnie's partnership a lot stronger in them. Like um, when Minnie throws Mickey a surprise birthday party and she writes him the song and he's like, is it time for my surprise yet? And like, she says, no. And Mickey's like, I love you. And then she, they give each other. It's, it's, just, it's just so simple and, and sweet. And and I just love their partnership in these. And, and it's, it's a very good, you know, contrast as it always has been to Donald and Daisy's tumultuous yes. it's, <laughs> great how, it's, it's really great how they're not making these characters one note as they used to be back in like the 70s or the 80s yeah honestly the problem with Minnie wasn't so much that she was the damsel it's that they didn't really give her much else it's like it's totally fine to have a female character needs be rescued but you gotta give her like a really of good course. personality and mm -hmm. make her really likable yeah. she gets to be so freaking awesome in these cartoons and not just in cartoons where she gets her own stories but she gets to just have her own personality you you see a, a character like her and say, yeah, that's, holy crap, that's me, that's me. She's not just a blank slate, which is nice. And then <laughs> I also fucking love that one short where Mickey's stuck on the trolley and then she fucking just suddenly gets these giant muscles trying to stop the trolley. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we should touch on that briefly. There is a lot of, let's say imagery that'll pan, uh, that will pander to a certain group of people. Oh God! <laughs> uh, there's a fucking short where, <laughs> like literally, yeah. go Goofy vores Mickey and Minnie. In an God, episode. yes. Uh, you know what two people do when they're alone, right? <laughs> <laughs> And then he's all, <laughs> that tickles. It's like, and then, they're having sex in there, all right? They're not even hiding anything. Mickey and Minnie are having sex in Goofy's stomach. God. And then there's the episode where uh, that I was originally going to talk about, but I decided not to, where uh, Mickey and, and Goofy get shrunk and Donald accidentally drinks them. And to that, I say, <laughs> duck for I do love Down the Hatch though because because I was deciding between Down the Hatch and Split Decision because I love yeah. when they go to I love when they go with any on any adventure with Von Drake because they're always bound to get into trouble but yeah. like I love when uh, Mickey is strumming his drum his uh his his uh, vocal cords and then Donald just like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that part. 
And then at the end, he, at the end, he has to lay a giant ass egg. In the oh yeah, that part. Yeah. <laughs> ah, it's like that was an image I needed to see. <laughs> it's continually pushing the boundaries, and you you buy it because it's a cartoon, and it's fun, yeah. and it's funny, and yeah. it, I love it. It's a load of fun. And on a side note, it's kind of interesting kind of seeing how Get a Horse and the Mickey cartoons are really similar. And then how Get a Horse plays a lot with fourth wall breaking humor and how these play with a lot of fourth wall breaking humor, but also grotesque humor, slapstick, Disney humor, just a bunch of things. And I will say, I will say the only good thing about the Disney Pixar Film Festival in Epcot is that you can see get a horse in a theater the way it was intended to be yeah. especially yes pretty effects because they didn't have that when when they showed when it was packaged with frozen but did it yeah. have to, did, did we have to sacrifice captain eo though no uh, i think we, uh yeah now that i think about it i think we kind of did uh, they really don't did. know what they want the imagination pavilion to be and they're like really skimming over the question of what are you guys going to do with figment and <laughs> Who likes Pixar? Hmm. They have, they have... Hey, wait a second. If only there was a property that was all about creativity and imagination that they could put hmm. in the imagination pavilion. Maybe, maybe you know, a pair of like stepbrothers who invent stuff. Yeah. Mm. Then... Never uh, I got it. I'll, the replacements. I'll, I'll Maybe, yes, maybe the Wait, entire no, no, no. The buzz on Maggie. That's better. Yeah. Maybe the entire Pixar movie that is about the inner creative workings of the human mind via emotion and sensation. I really want them to turn potato land into a real thing. Yes. Oh my God. So you know how there was that one point in the nineties where it was supposed to be like a Muppet takeover of Disneyland, but that never oh. happened. I wanted we that so wrong. bad. Imagine Potato Land, but <laughs> it's real <laughs> at Disneyland for like a month. <laughs> God, can you imagine? Wouldn't that just be Mr. Potato Head Land? <laughs> Pretty much. You just have, tell them, I already got one. <laughs> the creepy giant Mr. Potato Head animatronic on Midway Mania. <laughs> I don't like that thing. That Thing, that thing's got some bad energy around it. Going back on its own ear. Going back to Mickey and Minnie's relationship, I, I really like the adorable couple um, short where they're bummed out by Donald and Davy's bickering and they try to make them happier and they realize that that ends up making nobody happier. <laughs> Oh, what have we done? We've got to make it right. Well, I think we've got to get their rain back. Well, I think we've got to get their rain back. I just said that. But how? I don't know. Maybe we're going to have to frolic. No, fiesta. No, Mickey, we're going to have to fight. And they like try to fight, and they can't. Oh, brother, now what? We're gonna fight! Guess I'll be good. Quack! Quack! Look at me, I'm oh so grumpy! Oh boy! I'm really mad at you! Oh! Pennies on the dollar! You make me wanna holler! How much I'm in love with you! Shoot! <laughs> no, no, 
well, we can do this. This is literally how Randy's and my arguments go. It's like, why are you the best girlfriend ever? Why are you <laughs> yeah. the best girlfriend ever? Why can't you be more argumentative? Why can't you be more argumentative? <laughs> Y'all are adorable. Aw, thanks. <laughs> oh, can we go into how how fucked up the Halloween special was? How it oh, literally yeah. ended. Huey Dewey and Louie being baked into a pie. Oh my god, is this one of the <laughs> new ones? That was the Halloween special. Oh my god. I don't think I've seen yeah. that one. Oh. oh, it's good. If you haven't seen it, you, you have to. Yes. That and the Christmas special too, which you guys talked about. Yes, the Christmas special is so fucking good. And then... <laughs> uh, what else are they gonna say and then I also fucking love the short where they have to go kill a vampire and they just <laughs> fucking go through this giant maze and then they just knock over and then they're planning like this big way to get out of the maze and they just knock it all over <laughs> like Helsing if you will I, I was just gonna say that, that reminded me of you know that animation is not a genre it's just an art form to tell genre stories. And you see that with Mickey Mouse that they tell, you know, those noir stories, they tell fantasy, they tell drama, and there's just such a variety of genre stories and they make them so artistically and beautifully. Yes. Absolutely. I remember reading stories about how for years they've tried their, they've tried really hard to get a Mickey Mouse movie made and that they just found it really hard because they not, they're not really sure how you, how they could make a movie around their own mascot. And it's like, I wonder if this would be a good pathway to it. Like they can kind of see, okay, we can take this personality and then learn to really make a movie out of it. That would be awesome. Hey, if we can get a theme park right out of these shorts. Yeah, exactly. I'm going once they have the Ratatouille ride, Cosmic Rewind, especially Mickey. Then I can ride Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway. I still have not ridden Rise of the Resistance, and I am sad. F. It's going to be a couple years for me until I go back to the parks, but I'm definitely looking forward to riding Runaway Railway at some point because it just looks it just looks fun. I haven't been able to spoil myself on it, thankfully. And but. pretty soon, pretty soon, it will be on both coasts of the United States. Yay. <laughs> oh my god, and it's gonna be open. Hopefully Tokyo gets one too, because damn. Oh man, yeah. Tokyo will make it amazing. Like, not that it isn't already amazing how it is, but you just know Tokyo is gonna go above and beyond. Tokyo, Tokyo is just kind of objectively the best it. park. Yeah. I'm kind of even better than it already was. Yeah, I'm kind of of the opposite (laughs) because I've been to Disney World um, twice during quarantine now, and I know, I know, but I, no, 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 I'm not. Yeah, (laughs) I felt, I felt safe, and it, and it was very safe because, just for context, uh, for a couple rides on Expedition Everest, my sister and I were the only ones in the train. That's how. That's how empty. Um, but feel a little bad I didn't stick out the weight for Runaway because even when I, because it's it's crazy what they're doing right now. That the, They say the park opens at nine, but you get there at nine and the park's already open. So hmm. you can't properly rope drop. So by the time I get in, the weight is already at 90 minutes. Right. Oh. So I, I've, I've foregone it a couple times. And I may just have to wait till it comes to the West Coast because I am like, dreading, ah. I am dreading the inevitable, inevitable fast pass for when I 
go down there whenever it'll be who knows yeah you know it'd be really fascinating if similar to who frame roger rabbit they make a cue that's absolutely amazing and and mission breakout that's absolutely beautiful to the point where you want to wait in a long line just to catch all the easter eggs just to catch all the especially since hey another thing that represents pigment is mission breakout (laughs) see i'm kind of wondering it i don't wonder how they're going to do that because the whole thing is that you go into the cartoon world but you're already supposedly in the cartoon world in Toon House so I'm not sure is, is this I a guess... level deeper like in uh, Inception or how does this work I don't know uh, <laughs> I've been on it I think probably twice since the park reopened and nice. the line is or maybe maybe more than that maybe like one more time more than that um, but the line does move pretty quickly and especially since they've stopped doing we're going to clean the ride every two hours and they do it a little less frequently than that. The lines move yeah. pretty fast. Oh, nice. And they've also put plexiglass in so that they can actually load every row. Um, I haven't been on it since they did that. I did rise with the plexiglass, which was kind of an interesting experience because they put plexiglass sliders in between the rows on that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a little weird because they did the same on a uh, flight of passage, and I'm like, are these really stopping anything? But it's okay. <laughs> Fun fact: I was on Space Mountain, and before I took off, I saw Chandler. I was yes. like, hi, oh, hi, hi. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> I would honestly just be like way too scared to go now. Like, honestly, you guys are brave. I mean, I work you know, there anyway, so I'm kind of just like whatever. I'm already. I would I have to thought- go. I'd have yeah. to go on a plane to go. Yeah. And like the idea of the, I'm already very like whatever the phobia for flying is. So flying this time where I'm like twice as vulnerable now, I would be like not okay that entire time. <laughs> I actually rode the very first time I went to Galaxy's Edge, one of the mornings while Tony and the gang and I were all waiting around. I actually rode Hyperspace Mountain four times just because Space Mountain was closed the last couple of times I went to Disneyland. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make the most of it just to be safe. So I ended up riding it four times and oh, I was like, yikes. <laughs> Yeah, but, I did with the single rider line. If I was in Tomorrowland and everything else had a line, I'm like, screw it, I'm just gonna marathon Space Mountain for a bit. Yeah, <laughs> so right. I kind of uh, chickened out. Say, Hyperspace Mountain does not compete with original Disneyland Space Mountain. Original Disneyland Space Mountain is one of the greatest things ever. Absolutely, Whoa. and Ghost so Galaxy too. I mean, for me, I think the overall aesthetic of the Disney World Space Mountain is superior, but I would love it if they smoothed the track out to make it more like Disneyland's. This is what I've been yeah. saying for literally forever, is what they need to do is give give it a retrack, new track. Because um, I, was, I was actually talking to one of my uh, co-workers about this, and he's like, yeah, the good thing is the thing with uh, Disney World Space Mountain, it was manufactured by Aerodynamics. Aerodynamics is a defunct company. Their last coaster, of course, was um, X2 at Magic Mountain, and that had so many problems that it just ended up going bankrupt. So they don't manufacture the track to make that anymore, which means that basically maintenance just has to fabricate new track when they need to, which is not inherently a bad thing, but it's kind of like, okay, well, we need to get a, a new manufacturer to come in here and give this all new steel. Exactly. Even though this is an indoor roller coaster, which by definition means it's going to last longer, roller coasters still have, specifically steel roller coasters, still have a lifespan. 
I mean, the Hulk opened in what? Um, when did IOA open? 99? Yeah, and plus you kind of have to also update because, because you have this heavy-ass roller coaster riding on that steel. You have to make sure, okay, it's strong enough to last for years and years. There's no chance it's just going to suddenly boom halfway right. through. Like I said, they do all of that. They walk that track every day and make sure that it's good. And, and if they need to replace a piece, they can fabricate new track. Because um, it's not like it's difficult track to fabricate, but it still would be nice to just give the whole thing brand new steel. And not only that, if there's a Space Mountain movie coming out in like 2025, just in time for the 50th anniversary of the ride. <gasps> oh my God, yes. They said that there is going to be so a Space Mountain timing. movie, so it would be crazy for them to not time it with the 50th anniversary of the ride. And then... We all know there's only one man to call the score a Space Mountain movie, and that is Michael Giacchino. Michael, Michael fucking Giacchino. Yeah, that's how, yeah. that's how you say that it, Giacchino. That's you get Michael Giacchino to score that movie and make it absolutely just mind blowing. Let him do whatever the hell he wants for this. He movie. is a fucking god. And yes. you can even have him compose a score for the Florida for the Florida track. That would be in the movie, and then you have that to be put on the ride, which reopens along with the movie. Oh my god, yes, it could That's be. What they need to do. That is what they need to do. That is my master plan, and I'm sticking to it. Mickey Mouse 2013 and a Wonderful World of Mickey Mouse. Good, watch them. Yes, they're very Keep good. Keep the tapes. Disney Plus. About how good these shorts are because they're really great. And I, I frankly don't understand what haters' problem is because they're fantastic. Like, it's just the people it's who right. want Timmy Mickey. I'm like, okay, but have you actually watched it? Because I don't think you actually watched it. That, that thing. Uh, Mickey Mouse, sweetie, I am so sorry. Someone would say that. I am so sorry. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm pretty sure people in the 30s hated that bitch too. So, <laughs> but this was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. it it's yeah, nice it's to talk to talk yeah. animation with yeah same here i'm oh, so happy right. i could do this this was awesome i'm so happy i was able to do this this was so much oh, fun and it was go. nice to meet you ava nice to meet you too and i'll follow let's all follow each other on instagram twitter and then you'll be able to see what i actually look like yes yay we'll do it which um it's plug time everyone plug your stuff go all right, we are over at Channel KRT, Tyler, Randy, and I. Over on Twitter, we are at Channel underscore KRT. We also have an Instagram, Channel KRT. We have a Facebook group, the official, was it the official Channel KRT group? Yeah, it's, the, it's the Channel KRT podcast fan group. There we go. <laughs> Excuse me. And we also have a Discord server, too, so just hit us up and we'll send you a link to it. Yes, I'm over on Twitter at Mission Breakout, a walking pun on Instagram, and then you can also find me, you can also find me chasing my shadow down the street as it's terrified of every movie. <laughs> I have nothing really to plug, just stay safe and, you know, people are going to listen in the future and be like, what, what are they talking about? <laughs> but just stay safe, <laughs> wear a mask, stay home, be safe, and uh, thank you so much for, you know, listening in yeah. yeah you can find me over on twitter at tylerfg instagram at tylerfg96 i also host the jeb and greencast which is a podcast where me and my friend vinyl man jeb interview musicians and sometimes talk about our favorite bands that's currently on hiatus at the moment but we might be working on some more episodes sometime in the future Please. uh and as for 
as for KRT, you know, just follow us on all our socials. Uh, be sure to check out our episodes, subscribe, do whatever you can to just show us the love. And Chandler, thank you so much for having us. And oh, I didn't plug my yeah, stuff yet. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yes, time to plug the things. Um, you can find me over at Cosmic Rewind. Cause, oh my God, Cosmic Rewinds. Cosmic Rewind on Twitter. Replace the E with a three. You can find me at No Context Harley Quinn. You can find me at No Context TGIF. And uh, yeah, I am on Channel KRT. Shocking, right? <laughs> would have thought you can find me on twitter at starport97 and at the youtube channel starport97 i have a whole bunch of videos planned over there that i'm hoping on starting soon and i'm really excited for that you can also find this podcast on twitter at podcast acronym if you'd like this and want to hear more be sure to subscribe i'm on anchor and all the other usual places google play spotify apple Podcasts, and starport97 on youtube if you want to help me out even more you can pledge me on patreon to search for Chandler Deroshay. Join us next time when we talk about Wander Over Yonder. Sit on a dwarf? No! Click on a dwarf! Oh, gosh.